now, Daniel? Good to see everyone this morning. Nice to have Ken and Joyce with us this morning. Good to have Uncle John and Aunt Lorette. Nice to have you here. If I missed anybody else that's new, good to see everyone else again. Daniel, am I good to go, buddy? All right, man. You guys are getting faster and faster with that. All right, so we've been just looking at this portion here in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here, and um, uh, we've just been looking at verses 19 through 34. Last week, uh, we got through 19 to 21, so Lord willing, we're going to try to get through 22 through 34 this morning. We're going to try our best here. Uh, but for those that maybe just need a, a little bit of review, um, or maybe you weren't with us last week, uh, we posed uh, four questions, right? Four questions that we're going to look at. Last week, we looked at this question. Um, where are you storing? Where are you storing? We said that was a question of investment. It was a question of investment. Hey, if you have your sheets there and you want to fill them in, that's what we're looking at there. Where are you storing? It was a question of investment. And we said how the treasures, right? The treasures of this earth are fleeting, right? Um, we don't want to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth because that's where rust and moth is dry and thieves come in and they steal it, right? Um, but, but instead, right, uh, uh, on the contrary, right, the, the Lord Jesus says, we want to store up for ourselves uh, treasures in heaven. And we looked at Philippians there where literally there's an account, right? There's an account in heaven for us where every time we invest in the kingdom of God, right, uh, invest uh, in, in His work, right, uh, it's as if we're depositing something in that, in that account uh, up in heaven. And so we looked at that the, the treasures of, in heaven are forever. They're forever. Right? Um, treasures of this earth are fleeting. The treasures of, uh, in heaven are forever. And then we said, where your treasure is, right? We said that was fundamental. Okay? That was the, the, the uh, essential thing here that the Lord Jesus was bringing out. is because we said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Right? And, and listen, uh, I don't know if I shared this last week, um, but when it comes to money, church, right? Money is not a math issue. It's a heart issue. <laughs> right? It's not a math issue. It's a heart issue. And we looked at that uh, last week. Uh, but then we're going to continue today in verses 22 through 34. And so let's look at that together. Uh, it says here, now the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good or if it's healthy or clear, right, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, <clears throat> unhealthy, right, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or wealth or riches. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food 
and the body more than clothing? Look, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. And tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord will bless the reading of His Word again this morning. Let's just look to Him for help. Um, Our Father, we thank You for Your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank You again for Thy Holy Spirit. We thank You for Your precious Word. Um, Our desire uh, this morning is to uh, hear Your voice. Help us to, to get rid of those things that are distracting us right now. Um, the things that may um, distract us from hearing what you want us to hear. Um, Lord, you can do that. You can, you can put those things away right now so that we can only hear you right now this morning. Pray that you would even get myself out of the way, get my own um, um, flaws and... and, and and lack of eloquent speech, and they like get those things out of the way so that we can just focus on what you want to say to us this morning. Uh, we pray these things that you may be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at verse uh, 22. Okay, so we already looked at uh, where are you storing, right? And that's a question of investment. We're going to start here. Uh, the question is, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? And this is actually a question of insight. This is a question of insight. Um, Jesus here, right? We just got finished with uh, verses 19 to 21, and this goes right along with it. He's, he's now using an analogy, right? He's using this analogy of that your eye is a lamp to the body. So um, uh, in the morning when I get up for work, um, to much of your surprise, my wife is still in bed, okay? And uh, it's only because I get up very early. And uh, what I love, though, is that as I get up and I, and I try to get to my dresser or things I need. I have a wonderful thing on your phone. A lot of you have. You just swipe up and you got your flashlight there, right? And so that flashlight, it's a lamp for me, right? It allows me to see in the dark there. I'm not stumbling on things and, and falling over, right? And so your eye very much is like that, right? Um, for without your eyes, right, you wouldn't be able to see, right? That's how light enters into your body. It's through your eyes, Okay, you, light doesn't enter through your hands or your nose or your ears, right? It's the eyes that are the lamp to the body. And he's using this analogy here that the eyes are the lamp 
to the body. They're the, they're the things that allow you to see in the dark, right? They, they give you light. And he says this to, to help his followers really understand this unconventional teaching that we looked at last week on the security for the future, right? And really, that's what we're going to be kind of talking about today. If I had to title this message, right? The title would be Security for the Future. Security for the Future. Proverbs 10, verse 22 says this, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and He adds no sorrow to it. He adds no sorrow to it. Yet, there's a lot of sorrow today, isn't there? And the reason why there's a lot of sorrow today is because many people have a bad worldview. They have a bad worldview, and that, and that worldview is that lens, right, that lens through which we see reality. And, and, and the first thing uh, Jesus is explaining here in, in verse 22 is a wholesome worldview. Okay, a wholesome worldview. You see, this is someone who does not lay up for himself treasures on earth, but he's laying up for himself treasures in heaven, which we looked at last week. This is someone who knows that this is his only true security. And so just like if you have a healthy eye, right? It allows light to come in and gives light to the whole body. So it is with someone who understands when it comes to true security, it cannot be found in storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's not where true security lies. It lies only in trusting in God to provide for your needs and storing up for yourselves uh, treasures in heaven and investing in what God is doing. But here in verse 23, he gives us a warped worldview. <laughs> a warped worldview. See, these are those who think that money is going to make them happy. They have a warped worldview. Okay? They, they are trying to live for two worlds. You see, he, this person here with a warped worldview, someone who, who, as he says here, their eye is unhealthy, right? It's bad. They don't want to let go of their earthly treasures. Yet, they want treasures in heaven too. See, the, 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 the teachings of Jesus to, to this person seem impractical. right? They seem almost impossible to them. And yet, they still want their treasures in heaven too though. Uh, an old Puritan once said, um, that a hawk, right? A hawk, as it soars upward, still keeps its eyes always looking down towards its prey. Right? That, that's someone with a warped view here. Where on the contrary, a lark, a lark, as they fly upward, they continue to look upward. And that's what Jesus is saying here with this idea of a wholesome worldview. We don't want to be like a hawk who's you know, we want our treasures in heaven, but we still love our earthly treasures and we're not willing to forsake them. And then, of course, he, he says then, if therefore <laughs> the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, if you know that Christ forbids trusting in earthly treasures for security, yet you do it anyway, 
then the teaching that you have failed to obey becomes darkness. Great darkness. Spiritual blindness. And that's why Jesus has given this teaching, right? Um, Is that we do not want to trust in our earthly treasures. Talked about that last week. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having earthly treasures. But if that's where your trust is, right? Hey, if, if, if your treasure's in a safe deposit box, we say, well, then that's where your heart is too, right? And so what are you seeing, right? It's a question of insight the Lord Jesus is asking here, okay? But then he goes into verse 24 here, and the question is, who then are you serving? Right? And this is a question of integrity. This is a question of integrity, he starts off by saying, no one can serve two masters. You know, uh, growing up in Sunday school and things like that, you, you, uh, I always felt like the main point here that Jesus is trying to get is that you can't serve God and money. And that's not the main point here. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a sub-point, if you will, and we're going to get to that in a second, right? But, but the main point here, um, and, and what he's talking about is this sense of protection, okay? Um, is that you can't serve two masters, that's the main point here. Okay? You cannot serve two masters. Okay? You, you can't give 50% of your life to God and then hold back the other 50% for something else. You can't do that. You, you can't orient your life in such a way right, that God gets only a certain percentage, even if it's 95%. You can't do that. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You cannot serve two masters. Don't give me a percentage of your life. I've shared this before, right? Someone asked me once, does does Jesus want to be number one in your life? I still remember saying yes, and he goes, wrong. He wants to be only. Only. Jesus doesn't want you to share him with anyone else. You cannot serve two masters, and that's the main point here. Imagine if I had, I owed $20 to two people. Right? And all I have is $20. Well, how can I pay them? If I give the $20 to this person, well, then this person got nothing of what it was owed to him. Even if I take it and I split it up and I give this guy 10 and I give this guy 10, they still did not get what was owed them. And that's how it is with God. Don't think for a moment that you say, hey, God, yeah, listen, let me orient my life to fit my needs and then you will get what's left over. I know, God, you owe, I owe you everything, but I'm willing to give you 95%. That's the main point here. Hey, it's a question of integrity. Who are you serving? You cannot serve two masters. And so the question, of course, is where do I find my sense of security? You see, in the Old Testament times, I, again, I was reminded of the series that we just did, right, with the kings of Judah. But it was certainly king, true of the kings of Israel too, right? Right? The children of Israel repeatedly sought right, security in other people rather than the Lord. That's what they did over and over again. Mistake after mistake. Something would happen and they would go seek their security in something else, someone else, rather than their Lord. On several occasions, right, when rumors of war came up, the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, would actually put themselves under the protection of a foreign nation. 
even though the Lord was promising to protect them. A few times, they even took... Now listen to this, right? And this is so true of us today, right? Even sometimes, the children of Israel would take some of the treasures in the temple and give them to foreign nations in order to buy their protection. Man. Do you see the application? We do the same thing. Anytime our our sense of security is threatened, we don't just go to the Lord and say, Lord, we trust you. We start looking at how we can use our earthly treasures to provide some sort of sense of security. You cannot serve two masters. If you want to serve the Lord this morning, then you need to serve him 100%. As I said, that's the main point of what Jesus is saying here. But then he kind of you know, has a sub-point here, right? And this here, he says, after he says, listen, you cannot serve two masters. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do that, right? In other words, he's saying you can't be a slave to your possessions. You cannot be a slave to your possessions, okay? You cannot serve God and mammon. Listen, the Lord Jesus is not saying that money is bad. He's just saying it's a lousy master. Okay? Listen, in fact, he's telling you this. Your money is a wonderful servant. Money is a great servant. It's a lousy master. That's why he said, listen, you cannot serve money. Don't make money your master. Don't let it rule your life. But man, use it as a servant. In our lives today, we are bombarded constantly by the nearly overwhelming temptation to find our security in our wealth. We may fail to be generous because we worry about our own future. We may fail to be generous because we cannot tolerate a change in our own standard of living. We, we think to ourselves, I don't know what I'd do without my benefits. Or, I'm just a few years away from retirement. So let us ask ourselves this morning, do I value the promises held out to me by my savings account more than I value the promises held out to me by God? That's what the children of Israel did. Over and over again. Let's ask ourselves this. Do I value the promises that are held out to me by my standard of living more than I value the promises that are held out to me by God? You have to answer that question this morning. Remember last week I was sharing with you is that, you know, with all of us here, we really need to ask ourselves, is G- does Jesus mean what He says? Because if Jesus does mean what He says here, then what are you going to do with your earthly treasures? But if you don't believe Jesus means what he says here, then you need to ask yourself what you're going to do with your Bible. But do we think that Jesus means what he says? (laughs) Now listen, it is possible, right? It is possible to have only a few things and still be materialistic. When we talk about materialistic, we're talking about those who are excessively concerned with material possessions. 
They are money-oriented. You don't have to have a lot to be materialistic. In fact, a lot of people I know that have very little are still materialistic. And you know what? You can have a lot of things and not be materialistic. So don't get me wrong there. But we need to ask ourselves, right? When it comes to our sense of security, right? Do we value more the promises of our savings account and our own standard of living more than we value the promises that God has given us? I said, who are you serving this morning? It's a question of integrity. And then the last one here, I said, I think it's three or four times here in these last several verses, the word worry is mentioned. Therefore, do not worry. And the question here is, why are you stressing? That's a great question. Why are you stressing? (laughs) And see, this is a question of insecurity. And what I want to give you is first four reasons why not to stress. Four reasons why not to stress. And then I'm going to give you a reason that we need to seek. (laughs) Four reasons why not to stress. He says something interesting here in verse 27. (laughs) After saying, you know, do not worry about your life. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature. A cubit there is about 18 inches. And so, the first reason why not to stress, it's counterproductive. Okay? It's counterproductive. A short person, okay, or a, what's the politically correct? I don't even know. Uh, a height-challenged person. A height-challenged person cannot worry himself 18 inches taller. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay? I've never seen it. Have you? No, doesn't work. Okay? Imagine that. Imagine someone who is four foot eleven. Okay? Alright? And they just say, okay, I want to be 18 inches taller, so I'm just going to worry about it every day. I'm going to stress about this. Okay? You're not going to get your 18 inches. Okay? Doesn't happen. It's counterproductive. In fact, it's futile. It's useless. Okay? And that's what Jesus is saying. He goes, why are you worrying? Why are you stressing? It doesn't do anything. Nothing. It's counterproductive. And yet, relatively speaking, right, it would actually be far easier to perform this feat than to worry into existence all the provisions for one's future needs. Relatively speaking. It would actually be easier to worry yourself 18 inches taller than to actually worry into existence all the provisions you need for your future. It's counterproductive, church. But the second reason why he says... Um, that we should not stress, we should not worry, is because it's criminal. It's criminal. It actually robs God of the service of His people. So think about that the next time you stress, the next time you worry about something in your future, something in your security, is know that you are robbing God. And here I'll explain it to you. Right? If Christians, right, were to set before them the goal of providing in advance for all their future needs, then their time and their energy has to be devoted to accumulating all their financial reserves. 
Okay? And they could never really be sure if they had saved enough. Right? Because there's always the danger of a market collapse, uh, inflation, catastrophe, um, prolonged illness, a, a paralyzed accident, whatever it is, right? They could never really be sure if they saved enough. All the time, all the energy you put in putting away those financial reserves in order to secure your future, we don't ever know. We never know. And so, in doing so, this means that God would be robbed of the service of His people. You see, they would be living for an uncertain future on this earth when they should be living with eternity's values in view. Which is the real purpose for which we were created. Right? It would be missed, brothers and sisters. It would be missed. So not only is it counterproductive, not only is it criminal, but it is contemptuous. When you stress and when you worry, you dishonor God. You see, such worry is actually sin because it denies the love and wisdom of God. It even denies His power as well. Think about this, okay? That when you worry and when you stress, right, it denies the love of God, right, by implying that He doesn't care for you. When you stress, right, and when you worry, it actually uh, denies His wisdom by implying that He doesn't know what He's doing. It denies His power by implying that He isn't able to provide for your needs. You see why it's contemptuous? It dishonors Him when we worry about these things. And and, and He uses great illustrations again, right? To to bring that point home. He says, look at the birds of the air. Right? Now, the birds of the air are are, are pretty low, right? When it comes to the, the order of things, right? And, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you know, for creatures of a lower order, right, if, if, if I care for them, right, don't you think that you're more valuable than they are? Like, why would you, why would you question my love for you by worrying about these things? I, I, I care about you, right? Look at the birds. Not only that, he, he mentions even the grass, right? Right? The interesting thing about the grass, right, is that, as he mentions there, it has a very brief existence. It doesn't last very long. Right? And he says, listen, if, if, I, if I clothe them with splendor, right, why wouldn't I do the same for you? Why do you dishonor me by worrying so much? You see, it's okay to work to supply our current needs. Again, that's not what we're saying. It's okay to work. We should work okay, to supply our current needs. What Jesus forbids is multiplying barns in an attempt to provide financial security independent from God. And that's what we looked at last week, right? With the, uh, the farmer there. Right? That's what he did. Right? He put up, multiplied his barns. And when he had them all full, because he had a good harvest that year, and he looked around, he says, now 
he goes, I'm secure. Now I'm secure. Now that I have these barns full of grain, I'm secure now. And what does God say? In fact, it's very interesting. I was looking at this. Very few times the Lord Jesus ever calls someone a fool. He describes some people as foolish. There's actually, I was looking at another time with the Pharisees, he does call them a fool. But this is one of the only times that he calls someone a fool. And it's this farmer who says, now I am financially secure for the future. And he says, you fool. Today, your life is asked of you. See, we, we don't know. We don't know the future. <laughs> so why do we keep thinking that if we put all our attention and energy into our financial reserves and into our earthly treasures, that that's going to give us some sense of security? We don't know. We just don't know. And it's that which Jesus forbids here. Right? Attempting to provide our future, uh, um, provide future security independent of God. And the last thing, so not only is, is um, stressing and worried, not only is it counterproductive, not only is it criminal because it robs God uh, of the service of His people, not only is it contemptuous because it dishonors Him, but it is contrary to Christianity. <laughs> he says, listen, that's what the Gentiles do. Right? He says here uh, in verse 32, for after all these things, that's what the Gentiles seek. Okay? Again, brothers and sisters, we're, we're to be set apart. Okay? If you're at work with your co-workers constantly talking about how you're worried about this or that, and you're stressing about this and that, and your kids see that or your neighbors see that, how, how is that showing that you are different than any other person? We as Christians, we as the church, it should not characterize us to be those who worry about the future who worry about our security. That's what he's saying there. Gentiles seek after those things. Not us. Not us. And so it's contrary to Christianity. And so then, of course, he he finishes by this. He goes, but, right? What's what's the one thing we do need, right? The, 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 The one thing we do need is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Um, and, and there's one reason here, right? There's one reason, uh, I'm sure there's more, but there's a reason here that we need to seek, right? Here's the reason we need to seek, okay? First of all, our, our salvation, right, and our relationship with God is always our first priority, okay? It is always our first priority. You know, um, in Haggai, I don't know if you remember, we studied that a long time ago. But you remember, we just looked at uh, Daniel, right? In the book of Daniel, there was a time, right, where a small remnant came back, right? Came back to uh, Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. You remember that? I mean, it was a great, great time for the people of God. And they came, and they were actually not only instructed, right, but they were actually given the provisions to rebuild the temple. And they came back to their to Jerusalem there, and they got building on the temple, and they were so excited. And do you remember what happened? Well, they faced some opposition, right? And then they stopped working on it. Sixteen years go by. Sixteen years. God released them from captivity. Here they are back in their own land. They've been given instruction and provisions to rebuild the temple. And you know what happened? They kind of just got comfortable with life. You know, they, and I'll tell you what, they were not seeking first kingdom of God. In fact, it would seem to me that they were seeking, right, their own. 
desires and things like that. And here's why, right? When the prophet Haggai comes onto the scene 16 years later, here's what he says to them. In Haggai 1.4, he says, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and the temple to lie in ruins? These 16 years, they've done a nice job with their houses. Houses look good. While the temple of the Lord is still in ruins. In fact, he later on, he says in verse 9, he goes, My house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. That describes us today, doesn't it? Right? The, the work of the Lord, right? The, the house of God lies in ruins. We could care less about the church. We could care less about our walk with the Lord. But we busy ourselves with our yards, with our houses, with our financial reserves. That's what we do. No concern whatsoever with work of God and what is going on. And like we talked about last week, investing in the gospel. We're so preoccupied with busying ourselves with our own houses. They did not seek first His righteousness. Their priorities were all wrong. And listen, church, anything that threatens to come between our relationship with God is not an opportunity to consider. It is an obstacle to avoid. It is not an opportunity to consider. It is an obstacle that we must avoid. The decisions that we make, the order of our priorities, the value that we give, everything in our lives needs to be in agreement with God's ways. Every aspect of our life. God is always our first priority. And that's why he says, but first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But what's the reason? What's the reason we need to seek? But Jesus says this, if you will put God in, God's interests first in your life, I will guarantee your future needs. It's a covenant, guys. It's a guarantee by Christ Himself. He, he says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then I will see that you never lack the necessities of your life. Do you believe that? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask you again, do we believe that Jesus means what He says? Because if He does, then what are we going to do with what He's given us? Let's live for the Lord. Trusting God for the future with unshakable confidence that He will provide. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You again for Your teaching here. Oh, how we need Your help. We know that uh, we are bombarded constantly by the nearly overwhelming temptation to find our security in our wealth, in our possessions. I pray that we would make You our first priority. That we would put You uh, and Your interests first in our life. We thank You that You promise that You will provide um, you guarantee for us our future needs. Right? That you, you will never lack in providing for us the necessities of our life. You will always give us what we need. It may not be what we want, but you promise to always provide what we need. Help us to trust in you uh, with our, our 
security for the future. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.